Hello, hello, and welcome to Art House Garage, the snob-free film podcast where we make art house, indie, classic, and foreign cinema accessible to the masses. I'm your host, Andrew Sweatman, and today we've got a bonus episode to review a movie that's not so art house, but is, shall we say, culturally significant. Basically, whenever I want to talk about a movie that doesn't fit the art house vibe of the rest of this podcast, I just call it a bonus episode. If you've never listened to this podcast before, typically we talk about movies that are a little smaller, a bit more maybe artistically challenging, but we're no snobs. It's called the Snob Free Film Podcast because we want to make challenging films more accessible. So, for instance, if you're someone who has always wanted to get more into classic cinema, we did a classic film starter pack last year. We also have an art house starter pack. Right now we're doing a Technicolor Marathon. Or for something more modern, we recently did a series on the best films of 2020. So check out the podcast feed and see if there's something that might interest you. Today we're talking about the new Fast and Furious movie, F9. The ninth film in the Furious saga, which started way back in 2001. It's wild to think about how far this franchise has come, and just how big the fan base has become. These movies really have a wide following, even amongst people like me who aren't necessarily that into action movies. We talk about why that might be in today's discussion. My guest today is a film critic named Ben Pearson. I've followed his work on SlashFilm.com and on the SlashFilm Daily podcast for a while now, so I'm absolutely thrilled to have him on the show. He's a huge fan of the Fast and Furious movies, so he's the perfect guest to break this movie down. If you don't know about SlashFilm, they put out tons of news coverage at SlashFilm.com, and they have a couple of podcasts. One is a weekly movie review show called The Slash Film Cast, and the other is a daily podcast about movie news and all sorts of other movie stuff, and it's called Slash Film Daily. I've been listening to it almost every day for a few years now. I feel like, why read the news when you could listen to smart people talk about it? And Ben is one of those smart people. We do keep this discussion spoiler-free, so it's safe to tune in even if you haven't watched the movie, and if you're on the fence about whether to go see this one, this discussion might help you decide. And here is my discussion with Ben Pearson about F9. I used to live my life a quarter mile at a time. But things changed. Oh, Father, now. I will always be in your heart. Little Brian, I have a gift for you. Your daddy gave me this. Now I'm gonna give it to you. It's very special. It's for protection from what's coming. All right, Dom, what's next? No matter how fast you are. I am not too big compared to you. No one outruns their past. I am more easy, you trying your best to become me. And mine. Just caught up to me. Been a long time, don't. So we're up against a master thief. Assassin. High performance driver. Who is he? Jacob is Dom's brother. 
Your whole life, you pushed yourself to be faster than Dom. Smarter than Dom. Stronger than Dom. But could you kill him? Because I'm ready if you are. I'm here with Ben Pearson, film critic and senior writer at SlashFilm.com and podcaster on SlashFilm Daily. Ben, thanks so much for coming on the show. Absolutely, Andrew. Thanks for having me. I am so excited to have you. And, and I, as I was like thinking, oh, I would like to do a Fast 9 episode. Who in like the sphere of critics that I listen to regularly really likes these movies? And like, oh, it's got to be Ben <laughs> Pearson. So I reached out and I'm so glad you uh, you came on. But so I, I, I wanted you on because you're such a big fan of these movies, but also because you have a pretty diverse taste in movies otherwise. Um, like I, I actually didn't watch any of the Fast and Furious movies until maybe three or four years ago, I had like kind of written them off as, oh, they're just, you know, silly blockbusters. But then I gradually kept hearing about quote unquote serious film people who really like them, <laughs> whatever that means. Um, so I was like, I should check these out. And I do think they're really good. And so I wanted to ask you as someone who, um, yeah, is a big fan of the Fast and Furious movies. What do you think that it is that sets them apart as, as blockbuster action movies and kind of gives them such a wide appeal? I kind of think this is a two-part answer, really. I think the first part is that even though this franchise has become, you know, this massive box office juggernaut that on the surface you might, some people might compare it to other big franchises, there's really no other movie franchise, blockbuster American franchise anyway, that feels quite like this one. And I, I think these movies have this really unique mixture of completely ridiculous soap opera drama where you know people die and come back and and you know all of the ludicrous like ins and outs of of the plotting of these films and then you have obviously these gigantic over-the-top stunts and then there's also like genuine heart to these movies uh, or yeah. several of them anyway mm -hmm. um and so that's one part of it and i think the second part is like as somebody who spends a ton of time immersed in movies i see a lot of the same types of stories and and things over and over again and Personally, that means that I'm drawn to stuff that feels unconventional and sort of outside of the box and like takes big swings in its storytelling. And this franchise absolutely does that. And sort of like from a, a business perspective, this franchise is noteworthy because no other big you know, series of films has organically evolved quite the same way that yeah. this one has coming from, you know, what was essentially like a, a slick little B movie. And then just slowly over many, many years, we're in the 20th anniversary now, um, building out this diverse ensemble cast and changing genres and eventually growing into, you know, what it's become now. So I think it's, it's sort of a combination of all those things. I, I think that's all sounds exactly right. And uh, yeah, it's it's so interesting because it's not exactly the the way the MCU is set up or like Star Wars or something where, it, you know, it started with uh, a plan to, to be mm -hmm. a big thing. You know, I, I think that's a really good point. Uh, for me, I think it's like I, I don't watch a ton of big blockbuster action movies. Um, and so I know this is not completely unique, but how kind of self-aware they are. And I mean, that's a big part of this, this ninth one as well. Mm -hmm. um, and kind of like the tone it strikes a right balance, I think, between having that heart that you're talking about and also like knowing that this is silly. And, and it kind of started maybe with the fourth or fifth one where it yeah. really kind of started going bigger and sillier. And it, to, to kind of compare it to something else, I think like the only, the only kind of thing I was thinking with, uh, it's not unlike like Aquaman, the way that one kind of, kind of knows that it's being hammy and silly. And I think I really like that about it, that it kind of, you know, it's going to stay in its lane and then just pile on as much craziness as possible in that kind of, uh genre and i think that 
that just works really well. So yeah, I've, I've become yeah. A I, th I think I heard somebody else say that um, that another reason these movies do really well or or sort of um, can exist really well in the, in the lane that they've chosen is that like there are different ways that you can engage with this. If you want to be, you know, insane psychopath like me, you can get like fully into it and like really care a lot about the convoluted timeline, for example, yeah, and like how, yeah. you know, track all of these ins and outs of these various characters and stuff. Or if you want to just sit back and say, hey, I just want to see you know, a big action movie in a theater once every few years, uh, you know, in the middle of the summer or something where I know there's going to be a lot of practical effects involved. Mm -hmm. It sort of satisfies that craving as well. So there's like different levels that you can engage with this stuff. Um, and I think that th that feels slightly different than, you know, some of the other big movies that yeah. sort of require more of a narrative buy-in for you to even like baseline understand what's going on. Mm -hmm. I think that's exactly right. And, and, uh, that strikes me too that you can take these really serious kind of like what you're saying but you can also just like go in and like be a probably be a really serious fan of like um i don't know taking it really seriously or you can can kind of laugh at it and and enjoy it on that level too mm -hmm. and and maybe it's a mixture of both and that's it's like a weird that that all works but it really does uh like the, in this movie there was moments when i was laughing and other people in the theater weren't and i was like maybe uh, maybe this is just like a, another another way to enjoy it but yeah <laughs> Uh, well, so let's talk about this one in particular. Um, I have intentionally not read any of your thoughts on this or, or listened to you talk about it yet because I wanted to you know, be fresh on the podcast. I, you even did a ranking I saw that was mm -hmm. published. Um, so how does F9 stack up for you compared to the other movies? Yeah, this um, when I did that big ranking for Slash Film, F9 came in at number four out of ten oh. overall. Um, so uh, I don't want to like go through the entire sure, list or anything, yeah. but I, I think um, Fast Five is still my sort of platonic ideal mm -hmm. for what these movies are. I feel like that's the film where it really like uh, settled into its groove. It, it sort of embraced the narrative conventions of the heist genre in, in a way that it hadn't before. And um, introducing The Rock into the franchise really changed the, the group dynamic in a, a really um, exciting way. And, and the stunts also like really just launched to an entirely different level of ridiculousness in that yeah. movie. And I feel like the franchise has sort of been chasing that high ever since and it's come close to uh to capturing it but it hasn't quite reached it yet in in my uh estimation anyway okay. but um but yeah I, I feel like this is you know four out of ten makes it sound like it's right near the middle and i guess technically it is but that kind of um belies the amount that i actually enjoyed this movie if that yeah, makes sure. any yeah. sense I, I actually just really love fast five and the ones that are ranked above this um so it doesn't necessarily speak poorly of sure. of f9 yeah. that it comes in right around the middle yeah and so i haven't done a particular ranking but i i would have this definitely in the top tier um but yeah i haven't i've only watched them through once so i should probably if i really wanted to like dig in and, and kind of figure that out <laughs> but i really like this one it was gonna be very much close to the top for me uh, and i really like the fifth and the sixth ones uh and i like the rock fine but and this may sound like a travesty but i kind of like that he's not in this one i think I, that makes me like it a little more um but I think this one, yeah, it's kind of firing on all cylinders in a way that it's it's got all the action. It's got all like the, you know, family stuff to it. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just really creative. And it, I just think it's really nice to have Justin Lin back as a director. Oh, because yeah. I think the eighth one may be my least favorite of all of them. I really didn't think it was that great. Um, but he just really seems to understand kind of what works here and, and gives us a lot of it in this. Um, there's like a lot of creativity in the way the action's working. There's that self-awareness that I talked about that is uh, really strong in this one. And then there's a lot of surprises too and kind of, you know, characters returning and uh, we, we won't spoil all of that stuff. But I think it just gave me a, a lot of 
a lot of good stuff there. And I think he's also good to kind of pause and give us those human moments. Uh, it seems like in his entries is where we have the most of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also the use of music. And sometimes that all kind of comes together. And I'm, there's a, a moment in particular in this one where I think there's only one like, you know, strictly drag race in the movie and it's with young Dom and young Jacob. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a slow motion moment, not during the race, but actually before it starts, they're like sitting uh, right before they get going and it, it really slows down and the music gets loud and it kind of gives us a minute to focus on kind of what they're feeling leading up to this race. Uh, and I think that makes the emotional stakes of the actual race that much stronger. So I thought that was a really nice touch. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. So that that kind of gets to the point of the flashback so that i think that is kind of unique to this one there's a lot of flashbacks and kind of extended uh backstory sequences what did you think about those i loved it i i um Vinny bennett this actor plays young dom and i thought he did a great job capturing the essence of a young vin diesel i was yeah. not really familiar with his work before i checked his imdb and I, I don't think i've seen anything else that he's been in but i i you know I, i'm frankly surprised that vin diesel um who uh <laughs> is is um i guess well let's just say he he has uh, quite the ego. Um, I'm, I'm frankly surprised that he uh, allowed anybody else to mm-hmm. play this character because it is such a defining role for him. And I, I'm surprised that he uh, didn't try to convince Justin Leonard Universal to do like a digital de-aging, de-aging yeah. thing. Um, but uh, I'm glad that he made that call because I think it, it makes those parts of the movie, the, the flashback parts, play that much stronger. And and Benny Bennett, I think, did a really, really excellent job. The, the Jacob backstory, I think, is a little bit less successful for reasons that I can't really get into without spoiling things too much. But generally, I, I enjoyed going back in time and seeing some of those moments that Dom talked about in previous movies. I mean, he gives this big monologue in the first film about, um, you know, what happened when his father died and and how he ended up spending time in prison for beating this guy, you know, half to death. And you get to to see those events play out. And, and um, you know, normally like the the whole prequel thing and like uh, seeing stuff that is referred to like, like, OK, so that would have been fine if we never saw this. Um, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm not the type of person that like needs every single narrative thing like closed off and, or, or explored, you know, down further down the line. Some things can just work as uh, organic character backstory and it's totally fine. But um, the idea that, that we uh, see this, this um, familiar story through the new prism of adding a new character into the mix and with Jacob is something that is like thematically interesting, even yeah. if I don't think it necessarily comes together all the way because of the stuff that, that happens with the Jacob character later on. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think I agree with you on that. Um, although I do think Finn Cole gives a really good performance as, as young Jacob too. Like mm-hmm. I've seen him and some other things, but I would never peg him for young John Cena, but I think it actually really works. I don't know. I almost wonder if they like, did something with makeup to make his jawline look more Johnson-esque or something, but like, I think he's good. And, uh, and actually the, the moment at the end of that same drag race is, uh, I think a a good moment on his part too, as far as performance goes. Yeah. 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 yeah, I really enjoyed that aspect of it. Um, so there's basically like three big main action set pieces in this. Uh, Of course there's like other action things happening all over the place, but, uh, did you have a, a favorite action scene or moment in this movie? I think my favorite big action scene was the chase through, I think it was Edinburgh, um, where Jacob is on this zip line that seems to be, you know, like three miles long or something. And then he Uh, lands on a roof and shoots another one and just seems to be traversing the entire city through zip lines, which makes me question the, uh, the height difference of all these buildings and everything, which is just (laughs) like like, Spider-Man basically just swinging around. Yeah. Um, and Dom is chasing him and they get in this fight where like, uh, 
Dom's head gets like shoved back through a um, a door frame, and like, okay. he just does not seem to react to that at all. So <laughs> th- those are the kind of sort of uh, crazy over the top action beats that I really love. So th- that would probably be my favorite big action scene. Uh, I do have a favorite smaller action scene though, sure, which yeah. was when uh, Letty, Mia, and this new character named L were just wrecking dudes in this Tokyo apartment. And I liked it <laughs> yeah. because it's the first time that you really get to see Mia, the, the mm-hmm. Jordana Brewster character who's been with this franchise since the very beginning, actually get to like throw a punch and get some, get some hits in herself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she's been largely sidelined in these movies as just the love interest and, or the mother, you know, later on. And I liked um, how she was incorporated in this movie. And, and I liked the introduction of this new L character, which I feel like we didn't really get to know too much about her in this movie. I feel like she's one of those, this is one of those instances where like they're introducing the character. We're going to, you know, they're going to flesh her out yeah. later on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm looking forward to learning more about her because I like the, the dynamic between, her and and a different character that uh, that she's sort of introduced alongside in this film, yeah. and then uh, it's always great to see Michelle Rodriguez just like you know let loose and and uh, you know like there's this one moment where she she like gets a running start and knees this guy in the chest and they both go flying out a window <laughs> and it's just yeah, like, yeah this is perfect below. yeah and I think we can talk about the fact that Han is in this movie because that's in all the trailers and everything um, so that's that's kind of shortly after that is when he returns and I I think even though I knew that was coming I think that was was a really nice moment uh there's the lighting is done really well and just kind of a a cool little um flashing light to like who is that person even though you know we all know oh it's Han. but yeah, yeah it was a nice it was a nice reveal um yeah i really like that action scene as well i think the same for me that middle one that has the the zip line and everything would probably be my favorite uh, because it has it has all that stuff you talked about but it also so in, in all these movies there's some sort of creative action thing they add in whether it's you know they're dragging giant safes through the streets and smashing stuff or um they have uh there's somebody like a submarine they're fighting in, in one of mm-hmm. all these different things with the airplane on the runway and this one the big kind of uh thing they come back to again and again is that these electromagnets that they they can like switch on and and everything starts flying around they somehow have like perfect precision <laughs> yes, control exactly. over the magnet yeah. stuff yeah sometimes they can just pull like power lines down or sometimes they can yeah it, it's it don't think too hard about the logic of it but it's really fun <laughs> and that's where that kind of gets introduced and uh it's a pretty cool scene and then there's also a fun twist there i won't spoil who this is but there's a character that uh, we find out doesn't know how to drive and they've never driven before and they are suddenly behind the wheel in this really high pressure situation i thought that was like a fun a fun little touch as well in that yeah scene. definitely well, another thing that was revealed in interviews and stuff before this movie came out, so it's not really a spoiler, but if you don't want to know anything, maybe tune out. But um, this movie does involve characters going to outer space, which is uh, another level. What did you think about the outer space moment? So I know the space thing is probably going to be too much for some people. And I, I understand that, especially if you're not like as invested. I mean, I, I saw the first movie in theaters. I actually got a speeding ticket with a bunch of my friends in the car on the way to see the second one in theaters. So, I, I, you know, I have like a little bit of a nostalgic um, attachment to this franchise, too. So I've been in this thing for 20 years. If you, you know, if somebody just came to this franchise recently and uh, is not completely down with like the, you know, how... Um, <laughs> how completely uh, outrageous some of this stuff is. I can understand how the space thing would be where somebody could just pull the plug and say, you know what, these I'm done with these. Like, that's totally fine. Yeah. Uh, but as somebody who is totally bought into this world, I actually thought it was pretty well done and relatively, quote unquote, plausible within the world of these <laughs> right. movies. Um, yeah. 
you know, I, I wish there could have been a little bit more action up there once the characters actually got in space. Yeah. But but there's a moment where uh, Tyrese's character, Roman, looks out the window and you see <laughs> you see planet Earth reflected in the glass next to his face. And when you compare that image with how this franchise started mm-hmm. and like the super <laughs> low stakes of everything, just something about that journey makes me very, very happy. So uh, I, I actually thought that the space stuff worked pretty well. I'm wondering, you know, part of me wonders if they... Um, just sort of eased into space in this movie because they're going to mm. uh, go back in future movies because I'm really trying to rack my brain and come up with ways that they can top themselves yeah, what's uh, in yeah. in what is going to be the two-part 10th uh, movie. And I am having trouble coming up with, you know, <laughs> something that is more outrageous than going to space. So maybe this was just a, um, you know, a toe in the water, so to speak. Mm. And then uh, we're going to get, you know, a full-on diving board <laughs> moment in the next movie or something. That's very interesting i've been thinking the same thing like what is possibly going to be next i had thought about doing more space stuff but that that totally makes sense but yeah i really i it totally worked for me too like i think that gets back to this tone of like is this serious or is this funny like maybe yes it can be the answer to both of those things <laughs> yeah yeah i think, <laughs> but so. I, I think th- that moment probably pushes the the funniness a little much where like i was i was giddy i was laughing so hard but then i heard someone else in the theater like balking at how stupid it was and i was like okay this is the most crowded theater i've been in by the way since since being vaccinated and it was it was it was a good one to to have that but it was also a little nerve-wracking but anyway yeah it was my first time back in in theaters so it was a big deal yeah um yeah i I really like the space stuff it it is so silly uh it it gave me one of my favorite lines probably of this whole series so far before they go out like they're about to launch and ludicrous says as long as we obey the laws of physics we'll be (laughs) fine (laughs) yeah my dad saw the movie with me and he was um he was sort of like taken aback at that he was like how dare you use that the you know that that kind of uh language in in the movies where and i'm like dad you know it's like part of it man come on (laughs) and then to get kind of more of that self-awareness early on there's a scene where uh roman barely survives something in the minefield and and Tej says like how in the hell are you still alive and and then that kind of gets played up more and more and more um so anyway i thought yeah. I right along with that and i think that was really funny well yeah and there's there's a moment also where um where roman is like you know you mentioned han comes back and like the audience's big question is like how in the hell is han back like yeah. what you know what what is the um is the calculus there how did that work and uh roman sort of takes the um takes you know takes the perspective of the audience where he's just like okay i'm gonna i want to try to push aside like all of this uh obfuscating that you guys are trying to do i don't want to cut to the core of this and like just yeah. directly ask the questions that the audience has here so yeah. um yeah i think that self-awareness is definitely on on full display in f9 maybe more so than it has been in any other movie in the franchise yeah for sure and roman and tej have always been kind of the the comic relief uh, in a lot of ways but they're kind of now the audience surrogate a little bit too which i think is kind mm-hmm. of a cool dynamic well, cool. Is there any other thoughts about F9 before we wrap up? That's all the questions I had. Um, well, you mentioned the magnet stuff, and I, yeah. I think that the the magnet stuff that happens concurrently with the Edinburgh scene that we were talking about earlier with the zipline and everything, I think that is the best use of the magnet stuff where you mm-hmm. sort of first are introduced to that concept, and then it's used in um, in this really big, you know, climactic action mm-hmm. battle. And I kind of feel like it was... Um, uh, I don't know, overused or like yeah. it sort of lost a little bit of its luster uh, yeah, near the end of the movie. You know, when 
there's only so many times you can see somebody like spin a wheel and then magnets go, you know, <laughs> shoot somebody away from you or, or pull them in or before it starts to feel a little samey. And, um, yeah, yeah. and I felt like it sort of fell into that trap. I wish there was maybe one more other little creative, uh, yeah. twist that they were able to, to fit into this movie. Cause it's kind of a long movie. I want to say it's like sure. two and a half hours yeah, or something. When I saw so the runtime, I was like, Oh my goodness. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, other, other than that, I think well generally taken. speaking, it's um, it's it's a pretty yeah, like uh, mid to to upper tier uh, fast movie, and and um, I really liked Helen Mirren in it. She has like a really yes. really small role, <laughs> but she actually gets to be behind the wheel this time instead yeah. of just uh, appearing briefly like she did in the Fate of the Furious. So um, hopefully we'll see more of her moving forward. And I, I yeah, I just love the the team aspect of these movies and. Um, and uh, bringing um, Kurt Russell's character back in a little bit. And then there's some other characters that don't show up. And I was happy about that, like uh, Scott Eastwood from The Fate of the Fury. So I <laughs> yeah. thought it was just a complete charisma suck on the we franchise. Done with him for um, yeah, he's just like literally never mentioned in this movie. And I was like, that is exactly what that character deserves. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I, a really enjoyable time for me. Yes, very much so for me too. Yeah, I love Helen Mirren in pretty much everything and she's so great in this. And I've been seeing some rumblings on uh, like the interview circuit they're doing about Michael Caine could come later. I think that would be a really cool uh, thing. And, you know, it has you know, history with Italian job and everything and, and car stuff. That could be a cool uh, full yeah. circle thing for him to, to come into. So anyway, yes, I'm excited to see what happens with these last two movies that are coming. And uh, yeah, I really enjoyed this one and, and recommend it for... Uh, yeah, especially for fans of action movies, and 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 if you're on the fence about, you know, is this one worth seeing, whether whether or not you're like really into Fast and Furious, I think this one would be uh, definitely definitely worth a watch. It's a, it's a good time on the big screen. Hundred percent. Well, thank you so much, Finn, for coming on the show today and breaking down this movie. I uh, I really really appreciate it. Absolutely, Andrew. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, I'd love to have you back sometime. Huge thanks to Ben Pearson for being on the show. You can find his writing on SlashFilm.com and hear him on the SlashFilm Daily Podcast. He's also on Twitter and Instagram as at Ben Pears. I'll link all of those things in the show notes. Coming up on the podcast, we've got a review of the wild new film, Zola, from A24. And we return to our Technicolor Marathon with a discussion of the 1948 film, The Red Shoes. Rance Collins is back to finish up that marathon with us. And that does it for this episode of Art House Garage. Thank you so much for listening. We've got a few years worth of episodes and you can hear all of those in your podcast app of choice. Our theme music is by composer Paul Hunefeld. Learn more at appallingproductions.com. If you want to support Art House Garage, leave a rating or review in your podcast app, or you can buy an Art House Garage t-shirt at arthousegaragecom shop. Stay in the loop about Arthouse Garage and the films we're covering by subscribing to our email newsletter by going to arthousegaragecom slash subscribe, or you can email me directly, Andrew, at arthousegaragecom And of course, follow on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Just search at Arthouse Garage in all those places or find links in the show notes. And that will do it for this episode. Thank you again so much for listening. And until next time, keep it snob free.